Welcome to the State of the NL West podcast. This is the Freeway Entrance. I'm Dusty Baker, and Derek Johnson is merging along with me. Derek, we completed the first month of the regular season, and also we have completed the first month of this podcast. I want you to give us a grade on our podcast so far. What what would you rate it thus far with what we've been able to do? Uh, I'll give you an A. I'll give myself a B minus. I don't really know why. I just uh, I'll be humble like that. Even though saying I am humble. I love it when athletes say it. It's like, well, I just love being a humble guy. But it's like, you just said you're humble. I'm going to give you an A plus. I'll give myself uh, a C minus because I'm a humble guy too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. again, if we're saying we're humble, does that make us humble? <laughs> Are we really humble? Yeah, I don't know. No, honestly, I've been really enjoyed the start of this. Uh, it was a really good idea by Just Baseball. And, uh, you know, I think we've kind of got our groove down here. And, uh, you know, we've got some consistency moving forward. And uh, looking forward to seeing what the next couple months has in store for us. So with that in mind, we are going to move to our fielder's choice. And uh, Derek, the most underrated and most overrated region, town or city. And this could be either in California, Colorado, which is a place you've lived. You lived in both states. Or Arizona. Neither of us have lived there. But uh, Derek, I assume you've been there before. I've been to spring training there a couple times. So what, what would you say at first is the most underrated region, town, or city in any of those places? Uh, Colorado, uh, Fort Collins is really cool. Um, I highly recommend that. It's kind of a college town. But also um, downtown Golden, Colorado, which you might have heard of because that is where the Coors Factory is. Um, but there's also a lot of stuff to do down there. It's a cool little downtown. They have like kind of a river area. It's only maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes from downtown Denver with the Rockies game. So if you're going into there, um, I would recommend going out there. You can do the Coors tour if you want. Um, they give you like free beer at the end. So it's kind of cool. I like that. I've never been to Fort Collins before. My underrated one, uh, it's a little bit down the road from where I live. It's Pismo Beach. A lot of people have heard of it, but I don't think it gets as much notoriety as all the other major beaches, you know, along the coast of LA. Uh, Pismo Beach is a little more in central California and uh, on the central coast, as we like to call it. And I I just really love it because even on its quote unquote busy days, still the beach is relatively, for the most part, empty and a lot of great places to eat at. Uh, The fish and chips are phenomenal everywhere you go. So I think it's pretty underrated. Okay, overrated real quickly. What do you think is the most overrated within those regions? Honestly, I'm not like a huge fan of the setup for like, I guess, Phoenix because of the fact that a lot of the sports areas, it's not like in downtown. So you can't walk around it. My most overrated is probably the Beverly Hills area. You hear all about it in the songs and obviously the stars live there. It's just another really wealthy place, let's be honest. And there's a ton of traffic. You could do better. Moving on to our baseball topics here. We have our high tide headlines. We're going to start with your Giants, Derek. They activated Lamont Wade Jr. Uh, Sean Jelly uh, was called up, and Derek predicted that in our most recent podcast as well. Giants also activated Evan Longoria. In return, they put Jake McGee on the 15-day IL. Brandon Belt was reinstated from covid Dominic Leone was also, and then Tyler Beattie was DFA'd. Anything that stands out to you, Derek? There's a lot of moves the Giants made. Just good to see everything kind of get back healthy. Lamont Wade had three hits in the final game of the series with the Rockies. That was good to see from him. Honestly, the most notable thing here, because, again, it's just the story of everybody coming back, and they were able to hold water and even above so without those guys. But Sean Jelly, if you have not seen this guy, you don't even need to see him, like, actually pitch. Just look how big he is. The dude's like 6'11". I think he tied the record for tallest pitcher ever in an MLB game. You see him up in the bullpen pitching next to another guy. He makes him look 
like, you know, a child next to him. It's, it's absolutely insane. So for that reason alone, beyond the name, Sean Jelly is a great reason to go out to the ballpark to uh, see the Giants. Peanut butter and jelly time. The Dodgers call up Ryan Pepeyote, uh, their prized prospect righty, and actually DFA'd Robbie Erlin, who had they just called up earlier in the week. Victor Gonzalez also, who was a big part of their 2020 run uh, in the bullpen, he will undergo arthroscopic debridement surgery on his pitching elbow. That's due to the fact that he had elbow inflammation. Derek, we saw uh, Pepeyote pitch. Uh, I was always calling him Pepwa, but I was getting that wrong. Uh, what were our thoughts initially? He walked five guys, but got away with three innings of not actually allowing a run. Yeah, that's that's been a bit of an issue for him in the past. Uh, in AAA, he was four walks per nine, four and a half the year before, but always kind of that, that make or miss guy as far as, you know, high strikeout stuff that is going to lead to some walks every now and then. Um, overall, you get through it and, and you're happy with, you know, zeros on the scoreboard and everything. But I, I do think that, uh, I'm a little bit worried there that the command stuff is not going to play out. And, uh, you know, you have other guys who could be coming up on, on his tail, guys like Bobby Miller and so forth, that I, I wonder if he's going to profile more into just like a dominant reliever. Yeah, you can see that. I mean, he has a great wipeout pitch in the changeup, but you're right. I mean, the control is definitely a factor. He is a young guy, so, uh, you know, maybe give him his time, I guess. But I do think Bobby Miller has more put-out stuff. And his control, as we've seen in – you know, his limited sample size is also really impressive. So I, I totally agree with that sentiment as well. The Padres, they optioned C.J. Abrams, who is their top prospect. They sent him down. Uh, they reinstated Luke Voigt and Will Myers as well. They DFA Trey Thompson after he absolutely wrecked minor league pitching, uh, but he was not doing that at the major league level. It seems like that's been a trend with him. And then they placed Tim Hill on the IL as well. Anything of note there with the Padres moves? No, it is kind of interesting with Abrams going back down. And I don't know that I expected him to be with the major league team the entire time when he did start right away. And especially with the way he was struggling, it did kind of feel like he was picking it up a little bit. So you kind of wondered if, okay, maybe he's figuring some things out. Like maybe they're going to give him a, a little bit of a longer leash here. I mean, he had a hit in his final or, or hits in back-to-back -back games of his final games. I think he went, uh, four of 14 or something like that over basically the last week that he was up. So you could make an argument that, you know, he's starting to figure it out. So it was, it was a little odd, but that's starting to be like kind of a story around the majors right now. A lot of the young guys are struggling along. Jared Kellenick continues to struggle. CJ Abrams struggling. Joe Adele gets sent back down. It's just a good reminder that sometimes because of the, the guys like the Ronald Acunas and so forth, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who come up and hit the ground running right away, Sometimes it gets our expectations maybe a little too high for that every young good prospect is going to hit right away. And other guys, it just takes some time. Yeah, Spencer Torkelson is another victim of that. I think he's two for his last, like, 35, which is crazy for the Detroit Tigers. Okay, speaking of prospects, how about this one? Maybe the biggest news in the division, the call-up of Alec Thomas for the Arizona Diamondbacks, the team we've trashed a lot on this podcast. Not anymore. They are above 500, and uh, kind of a big move there to call him up. They also activated Josh Rojas as well. Yeah, and there's a good piece on JustBaseball.com right now about what has led to the Diamondbacks having such a hot start to the season. Obviously they haven't really been scoring a ton of runs. The bullpen hasn't been great. It's just, it's the starting pitching, which I guess means that they can, if you get re more reinforcements from a guy like Alec Thomas, that can really help. And he's looked pretty good early on, um, had a couple hits uh, in his first couple of appearances. Um, I'm interested to see what he can do. I was 
high on him in the minors, and I think that he's going to be a nice little piece for the Diamondbacks moving forward. Yeah, he had, had definitely adds some value to that lineup that has maybe been overachieving a little bit, but it's nice to see him in that order. And all of a sudden, somehow the Diamondbacks have a relatively formidable lineup, something I don't think we ever thought we would say, especially a month into the season. Okay, the final one, not necessarily just Rockies news. A uh, player that once played for the Rockies, as well as the Diamondbacks and the Giants, Gerardo Parra, after 12 seasons, he is retiring. He was never known to be a stud player by any means. He always played kind of this utility role, but he does retire as a World Series champion. Remember, he played with the Washington Nationals, uh, the whole baby shark da -da 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 thing. Uh, that was his kind of narrative, if you will. Any lasting thoughts that we will remember from Gerardo Parra as a member of any of these three NL West teams? I think you buried the lead. It was the baby shark thing. And funny enough, that was after he was DFA'd from the Giants. I remember I, there's always guys that, like, for your teams, you sit there and go, you know, I can just envision him in their uniform. Like, he is their style of play. And I don't think he would really be their style of play to what the front office is asking for now. But at the time, like, that was right up their alley of a player. So eventually they signed him, and I was like, this is going to be great. Like, uh, this is going to be vintage Gerardo Parra. He's always killed the Giants when he was with the Diamondbacks for all those years. And he hits under the Mendoza line with the Giants in 30 games, gets DFA'd, and then he becomes all popular with the Baby Shark stuff with Washington. He seemed like he was going to be a great fit for a team like the Giants. But, yeah, as you kind of said, it doesn't always work out with every team, which is why you can't always jump to conclusions. But Gerardo Parra will always be known as the Baby Shark that ended up winning the World Series. Okay, moving on now, cruising the coast, we are going to start after looking over the entire division. Derek. 92 and 63 that is how this division has started out I mean that is ridiculous like you you have got to look at that and think about that is a first place team across the board with what this division is putting together so before we go individually to our teams the overall outlook I mean how impressive is that that this is what the division has been able to put up it's unbelievable and I keep waiting for this to kind of fall off not just because you know, we don't know what the long term of Arizona and Colorado is going to be, even though it's been nice starts for them above 500. Uh, you kind of wonder how much of this is going to last for the whole 162. But also because, you know, you have teams playing each other in the division. And I get it. It's not each and every series right now. But like you have the Giants playing the Rockies and sweeping the Rockies, but they're still both above 500. It, it's crazy to me. You would just think at some point this is going to all cannibalize itself. I still think it kind of will, and not everybody will finish above 500, obviously, but it's still remarkable that it's even been done this long. Yeah, the, uh, the division right now, it's a win percentage of 593. So kind of amazing because on a 162-game season, that's equivalent to 96 wins. So let's start with the top team in the division, the Hollywood Eaters, the LA Dodgers. They were in first place last week during our podcast. They are in first as well at the time of recording on Wednesday, May the 11th. Dodgers are 20-9. and nine. They're 5-2 and two in their last seven games. They swept the Giants in a small series, sample size, two games. Giants didn't have a lot of players that were actually part of their regular starting lineup. Uh, a lot of them were on the COVID IL. Um, so maybe can kind of overlook that a little bit. Uh, still, nonetheless, they took care of business. They go to Chicago. They sweep the Cubs in three, pretty much expected. They did have a weird series with the Pittsburgh Pirates. They actually fell in two games out of three on the road in Pittsburgh. Uh, so upcoming for the Dodgers, they'll have four at home versus the Phillies starting on Thursday, which will actually take place before you actually hear this podcast. Um, then they'll have four at home as well with the Diamondbacks, and then they'll go back on the road. They'll head to Philadelphia and face them for three. 
any takeaways from the Dodgers kind of interesting week this past week, the giant series Cubs or the weird series with the Pirates? I just thought it was kind of funny. Like that's the ultimate baseball reminder that the Pirates are the team to beat the Dodgers. Like everything's rolling. They're good to go. The Pirates squeak out a couple wins against them. The team with the second worst run differential in the entire National League. It's a throwaway line. It's cliche, but it's true. It's baseball. How about the second place, five tool Friars in second place last week and this week as well. The Padres 20 and 12 overall, four and three in the last seven games. They split two in Cleveland. Then they won three of four against Miami at home. They fell to the Cubs in two games out of three. Um, so with that in mind, now they have three on the road in Atlanta. They have three on the road in Philadelphia. And then they head back to the West Coast on the road where they will face the Giants. And what I think is going to be a really interesting measuring stick of a, a series at that point, because by that point, the Giants will have a fully healthy lineup and uh, the Padres still without Tatis Jr. So maybe assessing where they're at without their best player could be interesting. Yeah, and right now they're running second in the division. If you look at, um, like, run differential, they're plus eight. The Giants are plus 40 right behind them. So does that mean in the long haul the Giants are going to overtake them or can they kind of keep it even over the short sample size until, like you said, Fernando Tatis comes back and, and maybe that kind of gets evened out? Um, because the lineup has not been great. They're in the bottom 10 of the MLB right now or bottom 11, I guess, in uh, OPS at the moment. The pitching staff's been, been good. It's been solid, but they're still kind of middle of the pack in the entire MLB. So the Giants, they are uh, half a game behind the Padres. They are 19-12 and 12 on the season. They are coming off that two-game sweep we had already mentioned. Then they split four with the Cardinals at home, but then they swept the Rockies at home as well. So now they will head on the road at St. Louis for three, at Colorado for three, and then they will head back home to face San Diego for three. So for the Giants – now that they got their whole lineup, it seems like back. Derek, are we going to see the real deal Giants from this point on? I think so. Darren Ruff, I feel bad for him because you look at the slash line, 222, 333, 278, 611 OPS. He is hitting the cover off the baseball. Like the results are going to start coming for him. And the fact that you have these other guys back maybe will make it a little more profitable for him because he won't have to face every pitcher. It'll be just specific better matchups for him. Um, Mike Yastrzemski has looked pretty good since coming back. Jock Peterson's very much cooled off. And I do have a lot of questions about the catcher position because Joey Bart has really, really struggled. But overall, the depth of the lineup, now that everybody's back, it looks good again. It looks healthy again. And we know that the starting five is, you know, maybe it doesn't have the best one, two, three, or maybe it doesn't have the best top five overall. But it's certainly – one of the better starting rotations in the MLB. They've got a good bullpen. So, yeah, I think as long as everybody's healthy, I think they'll roll just fine. I think speaking of that starting rotation, the at least for my opinion, the Cy Young favorite at this time should probably be Carlos Rodon with the way that he's been pitching early on. His slider is so awesome, but it's, it's just a fastball. He just, like, shoves it down your throat and is like, try to hit this. I don't care. Speaking of pitching, the Arizona Diamondbacks somehow have a lot of it, something I don't think any of us really saw coming. But with that being said, last week they were in fifth place. Derek, you called this. 
You had said they would jump the Rockies, and they did. They're in fourth place this week. They're 17-15. and 15. They're 4-2 and two in their last six games. They swept Miami in three games on the road. They then won two of three at home against Colorado, and then they also took two of three against Miami at home. Now they will face Chicago at home for three. They will head on the road to L.A. for four, and then they will face the Cubs as well for four in Chicago. Man, the Diamondbacks have been proving all of us incorrect. Yes, they have. Um, and what's crazy, too, is they've done this against one of the more difficult schedules so far early in the season in the MLB. And like you said, the, the pitching, again, go check out that article at JustBaseball.com on, on what's gotten them off to the hot start, not having the best bullpen. Uh, the run production is, is pretty much bottom 10 in the MLB. And it's just those top guys in, in the pitching. Madison Bumgarner has uh, put up really good, you know, runs allowed numbers so far this season. And uh, they've gotten kind of the, the breakout season from Merrill Kelly, who had shows, shown flashes, but you just hope he can stay healthy because that's been a bit of an issue in the past. But how about Zach Gallen? Um, it's just been the pitching has, has been so good. And once these reinforcements continue to come up, we mentioned Alec Thomas, like that's only going to help bolster. What happens if Corbin Carroll comes up and adds even more to the lineup? I'm kind of excited to see what the Diamondbacks could end up doing this year. Last place in the division, still a winning record. That would be the Colorado Rockies, 16-15 and 15 at the time of recording. 3-5, and five, though, in their last eight games. They won two of three at home against Washington. They fell two of three at Arizona, and then they got swept in three by the Giants on the road. Next, they have a pretty easy initial start. They have three at home against the Royals, but then it gets hard once again. They'll have three with the Giants at home, and then they have the Mets – with three at home. So do we see the Rockies walking away with a winning record in that nine game span? I mean, they have a chance to sweep Kansas city. Uh, the Royals are kind of a mess right now, but I'm going to say no because of those series against San Francisco and the Mets and uh, San Francisco has had their number of late. Obviously you mentioned they just swept them last year. The giants went, I think 15 and four against the Rockies. So that would make it 18 and four over the last year. Plus this year for San Francisco that's not a good sign and then the Mets are one of the other best teams in baseball it, it's just kind of slowly falling apart for them but if this team ends up falling off a bit like they do at least have some interesting players they can trade at the deadline to get pieces back which will make it interesting because we know that their front office doesn't always operate that way so it'll be an adventure in its own but I don't want to get there just yet because they're still above 500 and they're a good home stand away from moving once again past that they've shown you know, last year they were a 96-pace win team at home. They just struggled so much on the road. So maybe they can get it back going in course. Do we really know who Connor Joe is? I think the only consistent hitter right now in their lineup is C.J. Crone. We saw a massive drop-off for both Grichik and Blackman as well, who were providing offense early and often. So, yeah, that's going to be something to monitor with the Rockies moving forward. Okay, we have arrived at our freeway exit. Derek, final thoughts on where the division is at right now? The chase for all three of the wild cards in the National League. Padres in first, Giants in second, Diamondbacks only half a game back in third, Rockies only a game back. Let's make it an all-NL West playoffs. Give us all the NL West baseball. That's what I'd like to say. Keep those East Coasters up late to have to watch baseball. That's that's what we want. That will do it for this State of the NL West show. On behalf of Just Baseball, he is Derek Johnson. I'm Dusty Baker. Join us again next week as we break down the happenings here on the Best Coast.